And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Well, it's not my first time with you. Um, we came as often as we could when um, Ryan and Andrea were here as your executive pastor in music and um, uh, children's ministry. Um, and I miss Pastor Terrell. Um, what a, a wonderful pastor he was and is. And um, I, I did what he did. I retired and realized after, two years after I was re- retired, I was bored. And um, uh, this true story, I had pressure washed everybody's driveway in the neighborhood because I didn't have anything to do. I went and knocked on their doors and said, hey, could, could, could I pressure wash your driveway? And they'd say, well, how much? And I'd say, I, I don't want any money. I just want something to do. <laughs> they said, sure, go for it. But um, my uh, bishop called and asked if I would go pastor or preach a couple of Sundays at a little church in Christmas, Florida. And um, we're into our sixth year there now. Um, so we, we fell in love with it. It's, it's probably one of the poorest uh, communities in Florida. And the children are, are so special. And we dedicated ourselves as a church to minister to the children of the community, to feed them and clothe them and teach them about Jesus. And so that's what, that's what we've been doing for a few, a few years. You're bored here. I don't know all of them, but I know their spirit. They have, I think, led you into the perfect will of God. And I, I don't say that because Andrea is our daughter or Ryan, our son-in-law. But I knew when they left and went to Washington and we'd start talking about church, it would always come around to their love for you and how that they prayed for you. You're not getting a stranger and you're not getting someone that's just taking a position. You're getting someone in both of them that are going to love you deeply. And I thank God that they're going to be here with you. And I thank God for you. I, I think that I want to tell you just a little story about Andrea. And she won't mind me telling it. But Andrea, at five years old, was baptized in the Holy Spirit. We were pastoring a church, and at that time we were having Sunday night services. And there was a prolonged altar session. Andrea went to the altar and kept praying 
Everybody had left. It was just us. She'd been praying for about two hours in the spirit. And I finally just picked her up, laid her in the back seat of the car, and took her home. Vicky put her pajamas on her. Vicky and I went to bed, and we could hear across the hall in her bed, her still speaking in other tongues as the Spirit was blessing her. And we knew then that she was a special child. And I, I thank God that she loves church and she loves people. Ryan, and I'm not sure he's telling me this as a compliment, but he's always telling me, she's just like you. And I don't know if it's a true compliment or not, but he actually just did it yesterday. And um, I, said, I said, well, you got what you got, buddy. And uh, he was, but... Um, I'm outgoing, never meet a stranger. When we'd go on vacation and I'd go to McDonald's to pick up food for us and I'd ask the young lady, how are you doing today? And she'd start crying and start spilling her. And the kids would say, mom, don't let him go in because he takes too long. But... Um, I just, I, I just am so thankful. I can't say it enough. They're back at a church that they love and that loves them. I want to talk to you this morning. Oh, before I do, didn't West do? He's a great music pastor. I mean, that was good ministry this morning. And where, where's Wes? Hey, Wes, uh, you went to Lee, Lee University, and you, you graduated from there. Uh, I graduated from Lee uh, way back before you. And um, Vicky was in Lee Singers. And you were in Lee Singers. Oh, we got a connection here. That was awesome. And my new North Carolina friend, Scott, we, we stick together. Um, what a wonderful brother he is. Oh, I, I tell you what, this is good. Oh, <clears throat> I'm here to preach. So I want to talk to you this morning about something that I think would be appropriate for you. I want to talk to you about God's ideal member. God's ideal church member. And what I would want to see as an ideal church member. Vicki and I have been married 50 years. Long, hard years. And uh, we have, in pastoring, we have seen a lot. And so 
I'm going to give to you this morning God's ideal church member, but that would be mine as well. So I want you to open your Bibles with me. We're going to do a Bible study this morning. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 4. And we're going to see what God's ideal church member looks like in Scripture. I mean, what would he be like? Are you in Acts 4? Look at verse 36. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Just want to stop right there. I can tell you who would not be in Scripture my ideal member. I would hate to have a church full of Pauls. Because after preaching for 51 years, I still get nervous preaching because I know the eternal weight of what this is. And I realize I'm an ambassador for a holy God. And so I get nervous with you. Could you imagine how I'd feel if there was a hundred Apostle Pauls here and had to, I'd be intimidated forever. I wouldn't have him. I wouldn't have the Apostle Peter. I can't imagine being in a congregation with a lot of Apostle Peters. I especially couldn't imagine what it'd be like in a business meeting. But when I come to Joseph, who's called Barnabas, Joseph is another way of saying Joseph, which means let him add. And Joseph was surnamed Barnabas in Acts chapter 4 and verse 36. I believe that would be God's ideal man. They called him Barnabas. Barnabas wasn't his name. That was his nickname. And Barnabas interpreted his son of consolation. And what's important about that is that the word consolation is from the Greek word parakletos. And many of us know what that word means. It's the same word that the Holy Spirit is called by. It's the same word comforter. It literally means encouragement. That's what was so great about Barnabas. They said, you're Barnabas. You're the encourager. You're the son of consolation. You're the guy that every time we get around you, you encourage us. 
I, uh, honest, I don't think they called him Barnabas. I think they called him Barney. Just old Barney. He was the guy that everybody loved. He was the great encourager. Can I tell you, if there's anything people need today, it's encouragement. We live in a world that has just almost total bad news. How bad everything is. We need some people that are touched of God to be an encourager. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Church, listen. Satan is in the discouraging business. Satan is in the business of trying to get us to feel down all the time where that we aren't able to, to, to make life cheerful, bright. Bobby Lane has his helmet in the Football Hall of Fame. And underneath his helmet are the words, Bobby Lane never lost a game. He just ran out of time. Thank God for people who have the gift of encouragement. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 14, the scripture says, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Now watch this. Comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. Be patient toward all men. When he says comfort the feeble-minded, he's not talking about people that are senile. The word feeble-minded means small-souled or people who are discouraged. He's saying encourage the discouraged. There's anything we need. We need encouragement in our lives. I need it. You need it. And Barnabas had the gift of encouragement. I want to take five characteristics in the life of Barnabas. And I want us to see how God wants to use us in his kingdom. And the first is this. Barnabas was a load lifter. If you would turn again to chapter 4, verse 36. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, the son of encouragement, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now let me tell you what was happening. There was a great distress in the land of Jer Jerusalem right then. Here's what had happened. A revival broke out. And people started coming into Jerusalem 
wanting to see what was going on with the revival. And as they poured into the city, many of them became Christians, began to walk with the Lord, and they decided to stay and learn more about Jesus. But here's the thing. They had no homes. They had no hotels. They weren't wealthy. They were a kind of people that was just ordinary. And then persecution began to set in. And to many of them, they had nowhere to go and nothing to eat. And there was a need for some financial resources. And Barney said, you know what? I've got a piece of land. I could sell that land and I could bring it and give it to the apostles and the apostles then could take care of those that are hungry and have nowhere to stay. It's almost like Barnabas knew that verse of scripture in Galatians 6 and 2. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. He said, I've got this. I can help. And some of us this morning, we hear a story like that and we think, well, but I don't have any land. I don't have anything I could sell. But you know what? When it comes to encouragement, we've all got what it takes to encourage people in the Lord and in their life. You may not have land to give, but you've got some love. You could go and put your hand on somebody's shoulder and say, hey there, friend, I'm, I'm, I'm here. If I can do anything to help you, I'll do it. You know, sometimes you don't really need to have anything. You just need to let them know I care about you. I care about what you're going through. It could be that someone in your life has a sick child. And they're with it time and day in and day out. And they never get a break. And you could go to their home and say, look, I'll help take care of him today. You go out and, and enjoy some time just for yourself. There's all kinds of ways that we can lift somebody's load that's in their life. Wouldn't it be wonderful for a church to be just so full of Barneys that we're looking at somebody and saying, how can I help you? I, I'm from the old school. I guess you figured that out. I still sit on the platform at my little church. Some of my younger people say, why, why are you doing that? Well, I do it not to be seen, but to see, because as people come in and as people worship, you can see burdens on people. You can see, you can see the one that is usually energetic and glorifying God, but they're bowed down. And that's the one that I want to see on Sundays, because I make a point to go to them and to put my hand on their shoulder and say, hey, is everything all right? Can we help you? Is there anything we can do to bless you today? 
You see, when it comes to lifting a load, just the smallest thing can sometimes, you know, there's some folks that come to church and their thought is, nobody cares for me. And just letting them know that you're there encourages their heart. Now, second, Barnabas was a friend finder. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, and we're going we're gonna to read this scripture. This is just after Saul has accepted Christ. And Saul had been persecuting the church. How many of you know that before Saul was saved, he was a hellion when it comes to the church? He fought and battled the church. And Jesus appeared to him and Saul was converted. But now you're in Acts chapter 9. Look at verse 23. And after that many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. Did you see that? He just got saved. And the Jews conspired to kill him. They wanted him dead. Now, why did they want to kill Paul? Because they felt Paul was a turncoat. Paul was a traitor because He'd been persecuting the church, and now he's lining up with the church. And so they think of him as a turncoat, and they conspired to kill him. Now look at verse 24. But their laying await was known of Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and led him down by the wall in a basket. Can you see this proud Jewish man huddled up in a little basket being let down? Now look at verse 26. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed or he made an effort to join himself to the disciples but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. Now, I want you to see where Saul was. His former friends were wanting to kill him. The new people were afraid of him and didn't want his fellowship. They didn't believe he'd really been saved. They were saying to themselves, he was so mean against us, there's no way he could be saved. But now look at verse 27. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Old Barney went to the apostles and said, look, I know his testimony. 
I know how that he was on his way to Damascus and God struck him down and God converted him right then. He gave his testimony. He said, you can trust him. He's been born again. So Barnabas was a friend finder. He's a man that needed a friend. Barnabas went out and became his friend. Church, there's folks that come into our, our midst and they just, they need to be accosted as a friend. Third, Barnabas was a bridge builder. Look in Acts 11 and verse 19. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenix and Cyprus and Antioch preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene which when they were come to Antioch spake unto the Grecians preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added to the Lord. Now here's what happened. The gospel started to spread. And it spread over into Antioch from Jerusalem. Persecution had started. And when it started, some of the Christians, they began to migrate to Antioch. When they got to Antioch, they began to witness to the Greeks, and the Greeks began to be saved. And word of that got back to Jerusalem. And when it got back to Jerusalem, now the church was young, the church had just started, but it already had tradition. And the apostles were those who were basically over church planting and ministry. And the apostles at Jerusalem, they said, we're hearing what's going on in Antioch. And we're really not sure that it's of God. We really don't know. It, it's, it's not got any leadership that we're aware of. We'd better check on it. So here's what they did. They called Barnabas and said, Barnabas, go over to Antioch and see what's going on there. So Barney goes over to Antioch, and lo and behold, he finds himself in the middle of a revival in the whole city. And he hears them talking about Jesus. He hears them 
glorifying the Lord. And old Barney just goes around slapping backs, hugging them and saying, my goodness, this is of God. The Holy Spirit is here and what's going on cannot be denied. It's got the stamp of God on it. It's got the stamp of authenticity. This is real. And then he goes back over to Jerusalem and he says to them, boys, y'all just go ahead and settle down because what's going on in Antioch is of God. You know what he did? He built a bridge. He built a bridge from that which was going on in Jerusalem to a new frontier that was taking place over in Antioch. He was able to bridge the traditional with the non-traditional. He was able to take what was comfortable with some and make them comfortable with the new. Can I tell you, dear friend, I believe God is getting us ready in this world that we're about to see things that we have never seen before. I believe in these last days that the Holy Spirit is going to do new work in the lives of believers. I'm saying, God, make me one of those that does not put you in a box and tell you you can only do this and you can only do that. I want a brand new experience every day in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I'm not an evangelist, but I'm getting to feel like one. Hallelujah. Churches, it's about to happen. Now, I, I don't want to get too far off the subject because when I get off the subject, I get long-winded. And, and I've been told I cannot preach for four hours like I do back at my church. Listen, I want to tell you what, what God's getting ready to do. God's getting ready to do a work that is going to shake the world in these last days. I love to read after a man by the name of R.T. Kendall. Some of you may know him. R.T. Kendall pastored Westminster Chapel in London a brilliant man, a Nazarene from Kentucky, went to Oxford and from Oxford was offered the pastorate of Westminster. In one of his books, he has a chapter that he's entitled, Yesterday's Man. And I read that chapter and afterwards I said, God, don't let me be yesterday's man let me tell you how i perceive it as a pastor i've pastored for 50 years almost and what i what i what didn't do pastoring uh i was having to pastor my wife because she was 18 when i married her and i i had to raise her and uh but uh but after pastoring all those years, 
I didn't want to become a pastor with experience. Because a pastor with experience, he just looks at what God has done through him and he knows how to do it. And so he just pastors with the things he knows how to do. I'm saying, God, I know I'm 72 years old, but I don't want to think 72. I don't want to rely on just what I've learned. I want to know, Holy Spirit, what do you want? What do you want that's new in this old man's life? And I want to see new horizons from God. Oh, church, God's got some good things. I mean some great things. He wants to show us. And I know that God says, if we will humble ourselves, if we will empty ourselves, if we will lift ourselves before him, that he'll do a new thing. He'll do a new work in us. Two more things. Barney was a disciple developer. Look at 11 Acts, verse 25. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Here's what happened. When Barney got to Antioch, there were so many people getting saved that Barnabas knew there had to be some discipleship, some teaching. And Barnabas knew that Saul was a very bright person. So he asked them, has anybody seen Saul? And he was told, the last time we heard, he was in Tarsus. So Barney goes over to Tarsus and starts asking, has anybody seen Saul? Has anybody seen Saul? And they finally said, yeah, he's over there. He found him. He said, hey, Saul, buddy, I know how smart you are. I know that you can teach. I want you to go back to Antioch with me and I want you to teach the disciples there. And Saul said, okay, I will. And Saul went back and for a year, Saul taught them about Jesus. They learned so much that it was there that believers were first called Christians. And it was because Barney went after Saul because he saw the need to teach. I got one more. And that is this. Barnabas was a failure fixer. I guess this is my most 
touching part of the life of Barnabas. He's a failure. Look at Acts 15, verse 36. And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, let's go again and visit our brethren in every city where we've preached the word and see how they're doing. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. Now, now watch this. Barnabas said, good. This was their second missionary journey. He said, good. We'll go. I'll go get my nephew, Mark. And Paul said, look at verse 38. He thought it not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. So Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. Now here's what's happened. On their first missionary journey. Paul said to Barnabas, let's go look at the churches. Barnabas said, yes, let's go. And my nephew loves missions and let's get him to go with us. And Paul said, that's fine. Let's do that. I don't know what happened, but somewhere along the way, Mark became disillusioned and he quit the journey. I don't know where he went. He might have gone home to mama. I don't know the reason that he quit, but he quit. And Barnabas and Paul went on by himself. Nobody really knows why he quit. So then the second journey comes. And the, the second missionary journey, Paul said, Barnabas, let's go visit our churches. Barnabas said, great, let's do it. I'll go get Mark. And Paul said, no, don't get him. He's not coming. And Barnabas says, Oh, oh, yeah, Mark needs, and Paul said, no, we're not taking him. But listen, Mark, no. Mark's a quitter. He's not going to go with us. You can't depend on him. You can't count on him. We're not going to take him. And Barnabas said, Paul, I believe we ought to take him. Paul said, we're not going to, Mark. Well, all right, but I'll tell you something, Paul. There's good in that boy. There's some good in him. And Paul stuck to his guns and said, he's a failure. He's a quitter. 
Yeah, he did quit, but there's good in him. Paul said, we're not taking him. And they agreed to disagree. And so Paul went and got Silas, and Silas went with him, and Barnabas took Mark. Now, church, listen. If you're a typical church, there's people all in this congregation who have tried things and failed. There's people that have said, I want to do this, and they failed at doing it. Let me go a little step further. There's probably some people in here that started out walking with Jesus and you got caught up in a temptation or a trial and you slid away from Jesus. I can tell you this. God's got a Barnabas in your life. He's going to make sure somebody's going to come by and encourage you. There's times that I felt like a failure. But God would send somebody by to help me and to bless me. Let me tell you a story, and I'll close with this. One of the churches I pastored here in Florida was a good church. We were, we were blessed to take in our 1,000th member while we were there pastoring. And God had a thriving ministry. One day, our people were out. They were giving sandwiches to homeless people. And it was by an old Walmart, uh, Kmart. And these homeless people would come out of the woods. And they'd give them a sandwich and either a soda or a bottle of water. This man came out of the woods and he sat down on a curb, took a sandwich and started eating. And one of our men come by and put his arm around him and said, can I tell you today that God loves you? That man said, he can't love me. He'd spent 16 years in prison. He'd got out of prison. Nobody would have anything to do with him. His family wouldn't have anything to do with him. He couldn't get a job. And so he was sleeping in a cardboard tent in the woods in Deland, Florida. And that man said, Oh, yes, but God loves you. He still loves you. And he said, if you'll bow your head and ask God to forgive you of your sins, he'll forgive you of your sins. He'll make you a brand new person. And you know that boy, that man, his name is Ricky Springer. Ricky bowed his head gave his heart to Christ the brother gave him a Bible said start reading the Bible he started reading the Bible the man went and picked him up and brought him to church 
He smelled awful. He was uncouth, had no idea how to act in church. When the altar call was given, Ricky was in the altar praying, crying. He come to me one day, he said, Pastor, I feel like God's calling me to preach. I said, well, Ricky, you obey God. And he started preaching to the homeless. He come to church one day. I didn't hardly recognize him. Somebody give him a suit and a tie. He had shoes. He's cleaned up. All the men of the church kind of took him under the He started quoting scripture to him. He's reading the Bible. He come in to see me one day and he said, uh, Pastor, I'm getting married. I thought, oh boy. And he told me who he was going to marry. And I said, well, I said, okay, Ricky. He said, will you, will, will you bless it? I said, of course. They bought a house. He started going to the prison to do prison ministry. He then opened his house up for the prisoners that had nowhere to go when they got released and he let them come into the house and he became like a, a, a little station for them to help them get started. I was invited to preach a national prison conference service. I went to preach and we brought Ricky and uh, his wife. What was her name, Vicky? Sharon. Sharon. I had put a pail of water under the pulpit with a towel. And I talked to them about being a servant. And I, I told Ricky's story with his permission. And I said, I, I want to serve Ricky. And I had Ricky come for me to wash his feet. And I started to wash his feet. And I felt somebody push me. And they pushed me away from him. And there were pastors that had lined up to wash his feet he's a man everybody had give up on he'd even given up on himself but God sent him a Barnabas Vicky and I this is my last story. Vicki and I worked when we first got married at a home for children that cared for orphans. 140 orphans. 
when we left, we were only there for two years before God called us to pastor. But when we left, every young person in the orphanage professed Christ as their Lord and Savior. They gave me a, a little plaque that had the scripture about the life of Barnabas that because of the Holy Spirit many were added to the Lord it's my favorite plaque and I'm saying to you as a church how many Florida State University kids will need Jesus how many high school kids will need Jesus how about your children needing Jesus and God says I will care for your kids I'll take care of you let's pray Father thank you today that Lord here in this precious church there are dozens and dozens and dozens of Barnabases that would say Lord use me use me Lord to be an encourager to someone let me be a bridge builder let me be a failure fixer let me be a load lifter Lord let me serve you And serve those that you love so much that you gave your life. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray. Church, could you just lift your hand and just worship him right now? We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.